Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in today. It is eight minutes after nine o'clock on a, I guess I would call it glorious, glorious Wednesday morning. Already nearing 70 degrees in St. George. On our way to the 90s, low 90s today is... Dr. Blodgett is here with me today. Dr. Blodgett was raised in Cedar City, so I don't know. I mean, you you, you work in St. George quite often. Uh, have you acclimated to extreme heat? You, you have to if you're going to be down here, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I suppose. But uh, you know what? I mean, this is silly, but I I have heard this theory, and I almost kind of subscribe to it to my, myself. And maybe from a medical standpoint, you can tell me if it's bunk or if it's true. Uh, does your do do does your blood thin? Do you get more accustomed? Does does something physiologically happen when you live in a warmer climate so that you can deal with heat more? Because I get cold when it's not really cold, and I don't get that hot when it's really hot. And I've been here for twenty eight yeah. years. No, I think you have to. There's an adaptation there that hmm. allows you to. You know, I I can't describe it fully, but I, I think it's absolutely part of it. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> All right. So it's not so the old timers that say, "Oh, you you get used to it." You yeah, you do. You do get used to it. I I don't know how people lived without air conditioning. Oh for my example. gosh, yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> you go to the East Coast and you get in that humidity, and you think, "Holy smokes! How did they, how did people survive that?" But they did. So. Imagine the <clears throat> full pioneer regalia, you know, the the, the pants and the, the flannel shirts and the hats and the boots and and no air conditioning and it's 107 yeah. degrees. Well, and that, that kind of adaptation even happens seasonally, right? So you, um, <clears throat> you're, you're used to it being a little bit uh, colder <laughs> even over the winter and you adapt and you, you feel fine. So it's just a matter of our bodies pretty remarkable actually he is david blodge he's the director of the southwest utah public health department which basically covers five counties here in the southwestern utah uh the biggest of which of course we're sitting in right now washington county population wise i don't know about probably not geographically i don't know uh, uh no not great geographically but certainly population wise yeah and uh dr blodgett uh, uh professionally trained and was chief resident at johns hopkins university i i keep bringing that up i think you get a little embarrassed every time i say it but no 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 pretty I, good deal I'm, I'm proud of the training i received so and you had you a draw to come back home right yeah needed to be buying grandparents for kids you know awesome. plus it's a wonderful place to live so when you do what i do it's best to be in a place where you um where you Love the people you're serving, and uh, you're part of the community. You understand it. Do so you, you have grandbabies? No. No, none no, yet? No, yeah, okay. My oldest is a senior in high school this year, okay. so we're going through all of that transition. Maybe time. five, five <laughs> th- definitely less than ten years from now you'll yeah. have grandbabies. Okay. Yeah, they, um, and they grow up fast. I got my first couple uh, now ten months ago. Good for you. So, uh, so twin, the, twins. Uh, I had a son and, and daughter who uh, had some fertility issues. They went through the whole expensive, you know, major process with in vitro, but uh, sure. they were blessed with two amazing young young babies. Uh, that's so. wonderful. You know, they 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 say that's your reward for not uh, killing your kids, right? Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, grandkids are for sure, for sure. Nothing but but joy. Yeah. Even, even when they have a messy diaper or something, it's like, I, 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 that's fine. You know, I got to change one diaper a month. Big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's not yeah. not that big a deal. So uh, 
Yeah, you, you, you'll enjoy grandkids when they come. Well, I promise. I'm looking forward to it. Let's hope it, <laughs> hope it comes. Uh, Dr. Blodgett, of course, uh, is on the forefront, has been kind of the lead guy in, in southwestern Utah with the, with the pandemic and trying to give advice. And I had to say, Dr. Blodgett, I've dealt with uh, public figures, politicians and the like. I've dealt with school officials, uh, business officials. Uh, you get rave reviews all around as as a wow. voice of reason, and and considering some of the voices we've heard through this COVID nineteen pandemic, it's refreshing. Wow, thank you. And we live in a wonderful community, and it's been wonderful to work with everybody in the community. You know, you we always talk about the fact that when public health is going well, you don't know anything's happening, and uh, <laughs> and yeah. so we tend to be in the shadows. But uh, this has certainly brought public health to everybody's attention and uh, i hope it's been i mean part of my job is to be to put a proper context to all of it rather than kind of the the spin that gets put on with every media story you know so. yeah yeah oh yeah <coughs> we'll, we'll talk about some of that uh, in a minute i did want to ask you yesterday i had on dr antoinette lasky she works at primary children's hospital uh, up in salt lake or Inner Mountain Primary, whatever they've changed the name to now, but it's, it, it, you know, it'll always be Primary Children's to me. But um, they, th- her specialty is child abuse, and and uh, you know why it's happening, uh, who it happens to, uh, what we can do about it once it's happened. Intervention. Uh, I'm I'm wondering, does that touch? Or is that a part of what you do too with the public health department? Are you involved with that at all? We we are not. That's okay. different agencies, Child Protective Services. Yeah, those D- kinds DCFS, of things. But. Yeah. Uh, but certainly the overall picture of is it getting better or worse, those kinds of things, you know, we kind of keep tabs on. Um, I, I I think this pandemic and people cooped up together has made those issues worse, and I'm sure yeah. that's what she talked about, and um, that's really alarming. You know, the untoward consequences of uh, having one focus um, have created some really some difficult issues that we're going to have to deal with as we go forward. So. She was, Dr. Laska was a very statistics based doctor as far as the, these things are concerned. And we don't have the, really the statistics from 2020 and the pandemic in yet, but she says all indications are just anecdotal evidence that it is, you know, is much, much worse because of our being, yeah. being cooped up and, and those types of things. And, and that leads to, of course, you know, when a child has been abused, we're not talking about a one, one time, even if it only happened one time, it's not a one-time effect on the child. It's a lifetime effect right. on a child, especially if there's sexual abuse involved. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a, a young lady or even a, a young boy could be scarred for life. It could mess up their their relationship with, you know, with their family for life or, or opposite sex or whatever. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And they spend a, a lifetime trying to, trying to recover from that and yeah. instead of trying to succeed, you know, become the best they can, I... It's tragic. There's no no reason that should ever happen. I was so fired up. You, you know, uh, you've been in my studio. You know, I have. I like to put sayings that touch me or mean something to me around my studio. I actually put up a saying from her uh, yesterday. It's a saying we all know. If you see something, say something, uh, right. because you could you could save a child's life. And I actually printed a new. One. I haven't put one a new one up in in a year or more. Uh, save America's children. Prevent child abuse. And then the phone number is eight five five three two three. Three two three seven or eight five five three two three DCFS, or go to the website pcautah.org. That's preventchildabuseutah.org. It's it's become. I don't know if you know this about me, doctor. I'm a big teddy bear. Yeah, I, I have I have a tender heart, probably more so than I should. 
Uh, and when when these kind of topics come up, they they're they're painful for me to talk about. I don't like to talk about this stuff, but and it's not because I don't want awareness. It's just it's just hard to talk about. And so, uh, but this this is one topic. I'm like, let's get behind this. Let's 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 stop. You know, like I said, because they don't just if a child gets hurt, that's one thing, and that's terrible. But if a child gets hurt, it also affects like like we were saying mentally for the rest of their lives. Absolutely, absolutely, and it um, places them on a whole different track in life as far as. Uh, success, uh, ability to succeed in school, ability to succeed in relationships. Um, there's just a whole cadre of uh, of impact that you know. The, the so the work that they do over there with DCS, DCFS and and other uh, specialists in this area are really it's really important work, and I salute them for their diligence and, and dedication to the cause. So. Now, you have obviously your own causes that you have to be uh, diligent about. And, and right now, the the thoughts of uh, vaccination are, are heavy on the minds of our country. Right. Uh, there There is a group uh, of people who believe the vaccinations are absolutely critical. There's a group of people who think, well, they're a good idea. And unfortunately, there's, a, there's two other groups. One group that doesn't really think it's necessary. And then the fourth group that is absolutely against the uh, COVID-19 vaccines. And uh, I don't envy you, Dr. Blood, in, in trying to navigate the waters of those four groups, especially the latter two, when, when the message out there is, you know, for me personally, and I know pe- people listening to this program don't agree with me, but my message, my thought is if the vaccine can help get the world back to normal, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, that, that, Trying to be consistent in has been part of my mantra through this whole thing, right? Trying yeah. to be right down the middle and trying to not uh, get swayed into the other camps and be um, be a voice for um, the most <laughs> reasonable and moderate course. I think is is the best place for public health to be for sure. So, so the the moderate stance is here. Uh, it is you know get the vaccine. <laughs> Let's yeah. just do it and uh, and let's move on. It's it's proving to be a game changer. Um, as you look at uh, the statistics across the country, even places that we're starting to see uh, additional cases have all started to reduce. Now we're at the the lowest rate of hospitalization we've seen in in almost a year now, and so so we're really uh, seeing the positive impact of uh, vaccines, but also. Um, the time of year and, you know, the, the, the spike, you know, has, has, has worked its way out. And, yeah. and I, I think there's, there's a lot of reasons to be really um, positive as we go forward. But um, uh, the vaccine has been a really a cr- critical part of that. And I'm, I'm really, really pleased with the fact that over 85% of our over 60 crowd is now vaccinated. Wow. And so those, you know, in, and I, you know, we don't have as good a data on the those with medical risk because we didn't screen for that. But my suspicion is that people that know that they're at high risk have gone in and and uh, taken advantage of getting vaccinated. Now it's the vaccine's widely available. We have plenty of appointments available. Just encourage anybody um, to come in and get vaccinated. There, there is a group of people out there that say, look, the vac, the the disease was never that bad in the first place so why do i need to be vaccinated for something that probably isn't going to get me and even if it gets me it's not going to kill me um do you, what do you tell people that say that 
Well, two things. One, we have a pretty good idea who's going to be most impacted by it, but not a, a complete idea. So some people that you just think, wow, they're not going to have a problem with it did, you know, and they ended up in the ICU or, or passing yeah. away. And the second is, is always the other uh, argument for vaccination, and that is you're not vaccinating for yourself, you're vaccinating for other people. So, so if you're not if you don't have the disease, you can't give it to somebody else, right? Particularly somebody that uh, you know and love that's in one of those high-risk, vulnerable area categories. And so so it, it, we know that uh, the vaccine really decreases the amount of transmission of the, of the virus. It decreases uh, your potential to, you know, it's a, 100% effective at keeping you out of the hospital and, and, <laughs> and dying, but it also keeps it from spreading to others. So. I think that's worth repeating, by the way, uh, because I know a lot of people, when they, when they were first about to release the vaccine, they were like, oh, Pfizer's 94 and the Moderna's 95, and oh, well, Johnson Johnson's in the 70s as far as uh, keeping you from getting the disease. But uh, the numbers that didn't get out during that time, those were those numbers were made, they were hyped, they were big, you know, everybody's talking about it. The fact that, okay, if you happen to be one of the 20-whatever percent that had Johnson & Johnson's vaccine but still got coronavirus, you are, yeah. what's the number again? How many percent? It's, it's, uh, it's basically 100%. I mean, it's, 100%? nothing's 100%, but right. generally we consider it incredibly effective at keeping people out of the hospital and, and from dying, right? And that's what you want from a vaccine or for yeah. any intervention, right? So. It, it, it stops that over-response by the immune system that has been the hallmark of those that have ended up, you know, dying from this disease. And so uh, your your immune system's been exposed to the virus. It doesn't freak out and overreact. It, uh, it has an appropriate re- immune response. And so you end up not having those uh, immune over-responses that have caused so many problems. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, you don't, have the potential to get long COVID, which is turning out to be a little more common than we'd like to see it. About 10% of people that have had COVID end up with long COVID. Some of them that didn't ever go to the hospital still are having symptoms six, seven, eight months later. And so uh, all of that kind of factors into this idea that vaccination is always the the single best thing you can do to in, in the relation to a disease. And so even if even if it decreases the time you're out of work and all of those kind of things, it's, there's a value there, right? And so yeah. it's a pretty simple step and uh, one that I think historically and always will be one of the most critical things we can do as a society to, to keep moving forward and keep people happy and healthy and all the things we're looking for in public health. So. We, we value freedom so much in this country, as well we should. Freedom right. is, is the single most, I think, important thing about being American. And, and yet, uh, at the same time, I, I just, I, you know, I, I look at people who say, I will never get vaccinated. And I think, well, I don't want to make you do it because this is America and, and you're free. But uh, how <laughs> I, I have a hard time as I, and I'm a logical guy, and I know you are too. I have a hard time understanding why they are, so against it, well, yeah. we're not going to make, you can't make me do anything. Well, yeah, and it's true, and we won't make anybody. At least I I will never be on that camp of forcing anything. You yeah. know? And so uh, it is a decision that everybody makes individually, and uh, I, I understand that some people will choose not to do that. Um, I think, though, as a society, we need to say we're moving on from this, right? We're not going to 
close things down. We're not wearing masks, none of that stuff. And, and if you get it, you get it. And I, I think we've preserved the capacity in the hospitals. And so uh, we're ready. I think we've sent the, the signal as a society we're, we're, we're done <laughs> uh, yeah. worrying about that. So you probably saw that uh, yesterday all of the emergency orders were lifted. Yeah, uh, We made it to the three criteria that the legislature had set. So I, I salute our legislators for uh, being wise enough to put an end game. You know, that part, part of the problem we've had in, in the pandemic is the blunt instrument of making something a mandate is not as good as people saying, well, what can I do to, to preserve and protect people around me by the actions that I do? And, and I think it, it shifts the focus from, gosh, you know, who do I not want to get COVID to? <laughs> what can I do to get out of the mandate? Or, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and so um, I, I think it shifts all of that discussion back to where it should be, right? Am I vaccinated? What's my potential for transferring it to somebody else? Is, is my 85-year-old grandmother okay? You know, what can I do to help her out? I mean, those are the kinds of questions you should be asking, not what, what can I do to get out of wearing a mask in a restaurant, you know? So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm really grateful to see the restrictions lifted. And um, the only place where they are remaining or will stay is in schools until the end of the school year, and then uh, they'll be lifted there as well. So... Did, did, was there consultation with uh, medical professionals about that part of it? Because I know there are a lot of parents. I think yesterday Granite School District was, had one, their board meeting was interrupted by a bunch of people who uh, who basically marched in there and chant, chanting no more masks. Um, so obviously some people feel pretty strong about this. Did they consult you when it came to this? And did, did, even if they did, did it matter? No, no. So no? this was a <clears throat> this was a in the legislature, in the legislative moment thing. And okay. uh, UDOH lobbied to keep it in schools, uh, and um, they they kept it. Um, I don't think that was the intent of the legislation, but they they kind of, you know, it was a come-together kind of process where UDOH wanted much more. And, a little compromise. And the legislature was saying, we're not doing that anymore. And uh, yeah, the compromise was that, that they, they carved out schools to to stay in masks for the rest of the school year. But they did announce, correct me if I'm wrong, they did announce there will not be masks in the in the fall unless something drastic happens. Right. The governor is consistently saying, he's gotten the message, you know, we're not going to do this next fall. Well, that's so. good. That, that, that is a relief. Um, private businesses. At, at this point, obviously, private businesses are private businesses. And if they, they can choose to have whatever mandates they want in, uh, whatever rules they have for their private business, um, some of them are choosing to say, you will not enter my establishment without a mask on. And uh, I, I'm curious, what is there a public health stance on this? Are you allowed to make a stance or, or you just kind of have to let them do what they want? Well, I mean, it is their, it, that, that's, it is their prerogative. They, mm-hmm. can, they can choose that. And, and I think it, for us, it's kind of important to remember that a lot of businesses have a corporate office somewhere else, right? And it's that corporate office that's True. making those calls. For and instance, so, Cherry Creek is yeah, out of Denver. <laughs> that's right. So, um, you know, they're still shut down in New York, right? I mean, they're, they'll, they announced they're going to open up by July 1st, but they're going to be, they're still two months out. That's two from, months. You know, <laughs> that's a long time, right? And, and yeah. so, um, so I, I, I think where this gets a little bit sad is when, <laughs> When, you know, somebody owns a, you know, is running a business here, but the corporate office is somewhere else, and then they get, you know, beat up by people here. It's not them. Yeah. It's not their decision. And uh, 
I, I think I, it's, it gets back to our civility discussion that we just, <laughs> we need to be a little nicer to each other. And, uh, and, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a big deal, you don't want to wear a mask there, then vote with your feet and go somewhere where you can wear a mask right? or not wear a mask. And if you want a mask, then choose places that have masks. I, I, I just think, I think we're into an area where people are making decisions on their own. We need to honor that. Um, there, there are just for the record, and you probably heard me say that on the, on the show before. If you're listening, uh, there are a couple of grocery stores. I'm not going to go in there because they are mandatory masks. They make you wear one, and there's enough grocery stores in this town. I can go to somewhere that doesn't make me do that and, and be fine. And you know, it, it's that's their decision. They're, they're a private company. Yeah, and there are people that still don't feel comfortable going into a place where masks aren't required. Right. Yeah. So I mean, there's this spectrum, this continuum of 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 where people are at in their lives. And, um, and you know, part of this loss of civility is we think everybody should believe and feel the same way we do. And and it turns out it it just doesn't work that way. So we've never been more divided. And, and unfortunately politics took over this whole thing. And, uh, it's been painful for me to watch my profession be politicized. And people often think it was politicized in one way in the way that's different than the way they believe. And, (laughs) The truth is it's been politicized by everybody. Yeah. And um, um, public health interventions were never meant to be eternal, right? <laughs> they were meant to be very, very short term uh, just to give enough time to kind of ramp up into the situation. But then the most powerful weapon public health has always had is education and, and yeah. letting people know what the situation looks like so that they can make informed decisions. And And all of that was subverted to just a different political agenda. So. One of my coworkers here, uh, uh, I won't say her name, but it's a female. Uh, she said she was on a flight um, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and uh, everybody was being very good and doing, you know, wearing their mask except for when they were eating and stuff, although she made a snack bag last about an hour. But uh, <laughs> she said there was before they, they were sitting on the tarmac waiting for their turn to take off, and uh, there was a gentleman, uh, older gentleman, I mean, older than me, so probably 60s. And um, he, uh, he had goggles, a face shield, and a face mask all on. Yeah. And um, they had, while they were waiting, they had served some, some you know, little bags of snacks. And, and people were taking their masks off and eating their snacks. And the guy got really irate. He got really upset. And he called the stewardess like three or four times. Hey, they don't have their mask on. And. Of course, the stewardess was apologetic, but said, well, you know, they're eating. They're, they're not required to wear it while they're eating. And after about the fifth uh, little call button and, this, and the flight attendant coming over to him, she finally actually said to the gentleman, she said, sir, do we need to get you another flight? Because at this point, you are the problem, not them. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, when I heard that story, I thought, you know what, <laughs> that's pretty good. Because, you know, again, you've, you've got one guy trying to impose his will upon a plane full of passengers and it's just not yeah fair. yeah and i you know i don't know i i, I how, do, how do we recover this idea that we all have to live together and be yeah. in, in a common place so he'd done <laughs> sounds like he'd done pretty elaborate things to protect himself yeah and, um, um, yeah, this kind of gets back to that discussion we had about airplanes too. I don't know if you remember before oh, all yeah, this yeah, yeah. and we had the people saying, but, uh, airplanes, it turns out have come a long way for, you know, that air. We just haven't seen a ton of spread on, on airplanes, which has been good. So, 
Yeah, and, and there, there are people that spread it by being on the plane and then getting off and giving it to other people. But as far as you know, everybody on a plane getting the disease, it just hasn't happened. So, and and I'm grateful for that. <coughs> when you consider that you are in a closed space with someone for my recent flight from Austin to Vegas was two hours and fifty five yeah. minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I've been vaccinated, so I wasn't worried about it anyway. But but the truth of the matter is, it, you know, it, it, it seemed pretty innocuous. It seemed like everybody was good. There were, you know, everybody was doing what they were supposed to do. There was not uh, my flight. I didn't have anybody with goggles and a face shield and stuff on my flight. Right, right. Thank goodness. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that I think the airplanes have, have done a nice job. They have those. Uh, I forget the name that we, we, we looked it up after we did one of our shows and the filters that they use. In, yeah, the, the, the HEPA filters. HEPA, and yeah. they, they vent actually 50 percent of the air on every circulation, too. So it's it's a remarkably efficient system for it was designed just for this idea. They don't want it. They didn't want the they didn't want people thinking that uh, getting on a plane was an automatic invitation to get illness right. and right. so so they uh they circulate that air for each you know group of three chairs yeah. there and um it makes a big difference so even even when we were being extra cautious and we'd track down people that had been on planes they didn't have us look at people that were more than in the chairs right before and the right after um yeah that those people so uh it's it's been pretty well established that uh airplane travel is uh pretty safe have you, have you been on an airplane by the way since last march you know i have not I have not hmm. i have not um that, this was my first time so I, I just don't want to deal with the nonsense of getting lost getting stuck somewhere you know yeah and, uh, oh, that's it, true. it's the regulations that cause the trouble so. still not sure i'm ready even when they open them up to go on a cruise ship again because <laughs> you don't want to be stuck somewhere and yeah they won't be, let you they won't let you two dock. months on a cruise ship i you know maybe <laughs> it's not so bad but uh, i don't think they said that was very much so. No, it doesn't sound like it. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in today. It's it's kind of like Doctor Week. We got had Doctor Lasky yesterday talking about child abuse. We have Doctor Blodgett on today talking about well all the stuff that he's a, an expert on. And uh, thanks again, Doctor Blodgett, for being here today. Appreciate you, man. Sure, a pleasure. Always good to be here. <clears throat> been uh, two years and about uh, three months now. I've been really it hasn't been that long. Yeah, yeah. Has, yeah. And by the way, folks, uh, an update on Mister Mike McGarry. He is. Now officially uh, on his way to Atlanta, Georgia, to be a missionary for his church, the Church oh, of really? Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They, <laughs> they were ready to go a year and a half ago, and, uh, well, not quite that long, but uh, I think they were supposed to leave in April last year. And, hmm. well, you know what happened there with the sure. pandemic and everything. So uh, Mike and his wife were kind of in limbo for about a little over a year. Well, good for and, him. That uh, would be wonderful. So now Mike and Julie are in Atlanta, Georgia helping out to basically their administrative people at, at the mission offices. They work in the office doing all the financial stuff. In fact, Mike was telling me that he said, I'm basically going to be the mission accountant yeah. keeping track of all the money. And he says, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I will do that. <laughs> he says, but that's going to, that, that's not my right. forte. <laughs> yeah. So that doesn't seem like his, uh, like what he trained to do. No, no, it doesn't. Maybe he needs to run a radio sh- program they, yeah radio lds atlanta something <laughs> I, I don't know klds I, I don't know but uh, anyway we wish him the best and uh, mike and i will remain lifelong friends uh, yeah he's a good man mike and i were doing i i still remember 
you know, uh, in 90, I think it was 93 or 94. I don't remember the year, but I remember the incident where basically uh, he lost his color guy was had to leave uh, Dixie State. Back then, just Dixie College was about to play in the championship of the uh, regional tournament up there up in northern Utah. And Mike, uh, I had been covering him for the newspaper. Mike tapped me on the shoulder and says, hey, you want to put the headset on and do color commentary? I was no, like, wow. Okay. <laughs> and that was our first game together. That's we, it. Huh? We did it in the neighborhood of 4,000 games over the next 20-plus years uh, together. So. Yeah, like I said, I'll always, always, always quite a, quite a legacy. He was great to work with. Yeah, he's not and dead, so, folks. So are you? <laughs> <laughs> We're not memorializing him. We're just saying, no. uh, yeah, good luck to Mike uh, on his mission. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 got a text, and we'll take some calls too here in a second. But I got a text, and basically the the gist. It, there's a couple of long texts, and so I'm not going to try to read everything on there. But uh, the the first question is basically, if vaccines work, then why are there still mask mandates? And that's a great question. Well, I'm glad we don't. Well, other than schools, I'm glad we don't have them here. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that's one of the confusing parts of the message that I think are, are we need to really do a better job of, right? Mm-hmm. Does the vaccine work or not? Do we have faith in the vaccine or not? And I, I do, and I'd, I'd prefer to see us um, not having the mask mandates. I, I think the logic from the state health department would be, well, the kids – you know, we can't vaccinate them and there's still the potential to spread it there and then spread it out into the community. Um, but I, I, I think we have pretty good evidence that uh, the kids just don't, you know, haven't spread it at school. It's, it's after yeah. school if they're going to get it. And, uh, and so we ought to, we ought to let them enjoy the last part of their, you know, my daughter's a senior and I, her whole entire senior year was really marred by all of this. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel bad about that. You know, and, and I had a senior last year. They didn't have graduation. You know? Yeah, and, and, yeah. Uh, we were able to get graduations now, and you know, things yeah, I goodness. think are, are headed in all the right directions. But um, um, you know, if you've been vaccinated, the CDC more and more is saying, yeah, we, we we're finding that it's safe to do that. I part of the way this whole pandemic has been approached is, well, we don't know. So we're going to assume it's the very worst instead of saying, well, we ought to treat this like a lot of other diseases we treat and, uh, and use that kind of uh, approach. And so what you're seeing is still that kind of ultra, very, um, very air on the side of the most protection. And uh, I think we're finding more and more evidence that that just isn't necessary. So I, I hope we get there quickly. That's all I can say. <clears throat> there was a news item uh, last night, early this morning, that said uh, Dr. Fauci's recommended kids going to summer camp wear masks even when they're outside. And I was just like, come on. I, they, you know, so I, I, one of the phrases I've hated the worst in this whole pandemic is, well, the science says, because basically <laughs> what they're telling you is their interpretation of what they want the science to say. Right. And, uh, and what what we really do know is you're much, much, much less likely to spread it outside, uh, 20, 20 times less likely. So so I, uh, I'm i always happy when something's outside because there is no spread there. Do, do you find yourself sometimes at odds with what the national authorities are saying to the point where I, I don't know what to say? I, I don't know what to do because they're telling you this. I know that this isn't necessarily the case, but I got to keep my mouth shut because they're the you know national authority. Do you find yourself in that weird juxtaposition? Well, 
uh, trying to be the moderate one has been a hard place to be, yeah. right? And yeah. so, <clears throat> because there's some that are mad if you're not shooting people that go into a store without a mask on, and there's mm-hmm. some that are mad that the store has a requirement for masks. And um, I, I really, I really wish good old-fashioned public health would have prevailed here, where we educate, we tell, we identify, we help people understand what's at risk, but that we don't bring that heavy hand of government intervention into things. But, yeah. You know, yeah. that's, we're in the throes of doing that in almost every area of American society now, right? Of, of we want government uh, to come in and be the heavy hand. And, and I don't know that that, that there's not any, how do I say this? I, I, I think those are discussions that society is having. And I, yeah. I think in Utah, we did better than a lot of places. Um, and probably can do even better next time, I would hope. So we'll, we'll learn our lessons and move on. Well, I, I got uh, yesterday during open lines, I got I got grilled pretty good or, or even roasted a little bit because uh, I wore a mask on an airplane. Uh, even though had I not put the mask on, they wouldn't have not let me get on the airplane. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> and I've gotten I've, people have given me a hard time because I went ahead and, and got the vaccine. And uh, t- to me... You know, they're saying, well, they're taking away your freedom. Well, I got the vaccine voluntarily. I yeah. asked you if I could get the vaccine. You didn't say, hey, Andy, you should get this. You've got to get this. This is, you know, get it so people see. No, this was my idea. This is what I wanted to do because, like you, I believe in the vaccines. I believe they do. And even though the risk was, was pretty minimal of me, uh, you know, actually getting really sick with COVID-19, I felt like the vaccine was a good thing and it would help, you know, make that risk even less. And if I did happen to get it, I would, that number again, that 100% number, I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, getting on a ventilator. I, I, I think you've articulated it very well. You know, freedom can go both ways, right? You can choose to have the vaccine or not have the vaccine based on, on uh, what, and, and I, there's nobody in this part of the world forcing anybody to get vaccinated. Whether you choose to do it or not is your issue. But I, I think it's actually really strange when people go on a crusade to try and, you know, talk people out of getting vaccinated. What is, what, you know, what, how is that any less invasive than somebody trying to encourage you to get vaccinated? Are, are they so, trying to save our lives? I, 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 I don't, I don't know. know. I, <laughs> the, that, there is a strange... Um, there, there is a strange psychology going on where everybody believes that they're the only smart one in the room and everybody else is an <laughs> idiot if they don't believe the way they do. And, uh, and I, I think that's really destructive. You know, it it's is, counter yeah. to and, and all so, of the so, principles. I'm only laughing because it's so true. <laughs> it's counter to the principles that have allowed us to be great as a, as a country, to interact well as, as a community. Uh, we all need to be able to have opinions and, and voice them and move forward in ways that make sense to, to us and live together in a construct that allows us to be civil to each other and to not step on each other's toes. And, and it seems like a lot of that is, is breaking down rapidly. And, boy, you know, well, Facebook is just a jungle now. Yeah, know, so. we get so upset and so angry. And so, I mean, post something that's unpopular on Facebook and see what happens yeah. to you. Yeah. You're going to have people commenting who are friends of friends of friends of friends, and they're going to be calling you names because because they think you're wrong. And it, it's it's so frustrating. I have a relative of mine, and I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, we're we're pretty much opposite when it comes to politics. 
And, and yeah, I think personally, I think we've been able to get past that and still have our differing opinions. And sometimes she'll bring something to the table that I hadn't considered. And I hope sometimes I bring something to the table that she hasn't considered and we don't get mad at each other. Yeah. You know, that's how it's supposed to be. Well, and <laughs> so if, if you agree with each other 70, 80% of the time, yeah. why, why, can't you just agree not to agree on the other 20% of the time? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, this is something we have to figure out as a society or we're, we're, we're headed in some interesting places, you know? So, so what, what can we do? And, and this, this text kind of brings it home very well said. Uh, if more people, I think more people would be willing to get vaccinated. If after they were masks go away yeah. as it is, it makes people feel that science is questionable. And you and I were talking about this off the air. Do vaccines work? Yes. If they work, why are we wearing masks? Well, we shouldn't need to. Right. And, and, and fortunately, the legislature has taken that step and gotten rid of that. So we don't have to wear masks anymore. Um, and I, I think the, in, the incentive to get vaccinated is, is about who you spread it to if you get the disease, right? You may not care if you end up in the hospital. You can make that choice. But, yeah. but what, 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 what always is the problem with infectious diseases is when you spread it to somebody else. And so now we have this really magic bullet this 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 thing that makes it so all of that changes it works uh, we need to get it and you know we've seen a dramatic drop off it you know a month ago when we were in here we'd fill up our appointments in you know six minutes when they show up on the website now we just we constantly have open appointments and so anybody that wants to come down to our clinics they're in they're in our health department any of our sites just look for the times uh, you know, we'll be happy to vaccinate you. There's just no restrictions on any of it. So now's the time to come and get vaccinated. There there are promotions out there right now to encourage people to get vaccinated. I mean, we did a story, I, I don't I think it was Milwaukee or something, it, you get vaccinated, they give you a coupon for a free beer. Yeah. Uh, there have been, you know, around around the West, free donuts. I think that, you, That's a good public health message, right? Yeah. Give you a beer for getting vaccinated. Jeez, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, well, don't, don't drink until you get home. Uh <laughs> I think in Utah, ice cream. And if there was free ice cream, I think you yeah. would, your numbers would go up. And yeah. speaking of the numbers, uh, I wanted to ask you, so right now, what, are, what number are you aware of, percentage of people who, adults who have had the vaccine? So in, in I, I think we're getting close to about 45% of the eligible population getting mm. vaccinated. Um, usually we hit about 35% to get flu shots. So we're ahead of flu shots, which is interesting. And, but we've just seen this incredible drying up where we just aren't seeing people come in, you know. So we, you know, it's it's sad because we have the capacity to do 5,000 shots a day. And, we, mm-hmm. you know, those that went to our clinics when we were in full swing, they're really fun to watch. And we'd have you in and out of there in, a, in, a, in just a couple of minutes. Awesome, and, yeah. um, uh, but uh, now we're throwing the party and nobody's coming, you know. So, yeah. Um, you know, just this, just to note that the other thing is we've noted that uh, kids aren't getting immunized for their other illnesses Uh-oh. Uh, that they have to have for school and stuff like that. So those clinics are open and available and we have vaccine available uh, wow. for that. So just don't wait until the end. So what always happens is people will come in and, you know, the beginning of August and there's a big line out the door. If you come in now, 
you know, you'll be there's done. No, you don't no have line. to worry about it. So come <laughs> on in, you know, get, get your kids vaccinated as well. Good call there. Uh, I got to get a real quick commercial break in and then we'll finish up. We'll take a call or two. Uh, again, Dr. Blodgett on with me today. Always a pleasure to have him on. He's on every first Wednesday of the month. Uh, our, well, one of our great sponsors of the show has been since I've been here, Joe Shoney. He's a loan consultant and his specialty is making sure that you are aware of it. He's a customer service guy. I love it. Joe Shoney's average is uh, 4.96 out of five stars. That's almost a perfect score. Too bad we can't get that percentage of people vaccinated. But uh, Joe Shoney uh, is with New American Funding. You should call him today if you need any kind of loan, a refi or a home loan or uh, home equity, whatever it is, he'll help you out. His phone number is 435-590-6300. Back in 90 seconds. Running short on time. Got about five minutes left in the program. It's Dr. David Blodgett with me today. Dr. Blodgett's uh, always good support comes on the program. And uh, I don't think you've ever had, or I've asked you a question. You say, well, you can't ask that, or I'm not going to answer that. Or, you've always, you've always <laughs> been a good support about things. Uh, so thank you. You, you. I know you always try and get me into places that are uncomfortable, though. So. I, I do a little bit. <laughs> and I, I try to do it subtly, though, so you don't know you're going there until you're there. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. Let's let's take a call or two uh, as we wrap up the show. Again, we're short on time, only uh, less than five minutes left, so please keep your phone call brief. Uh, hi, you're on with Andy with Dr. Blodgett. What's up? Hello, is this me? That's you. Okay, um, an earnings call from Pfizer. I assume you all know what an earnings call is. Um, they are talking about vaccinating 2 to 11-year-olds in September, mm-hmm. and they're, in the next couple of weeks, expected to go from 16 to 85-year-olds for Pfizer. How are they making this vaccine so fast? You know, my experience, I'm, I have a mark on my arm from a smallpox vaccine, and also polio, I remember, and it took a long time to produce these vaccines. How are they making it so fast? How much money is Pfizer making on each shot? And uh, is this simply to make a lot of money, which they obviously are? That's it. Okay. Well, so good questions. Um, the, <clears throat> when they recognized they had a problem with COVID, they, they, they modified the process to make the vaccine not to do less, but actually to do to do it in a bigger way, much more quickly, right? So they upped the numbers that they were putting into the study groups. They compressed the time by stacking each of the phases on. So there's three phases of a, of a, of a trial to approve a vaccine. So uh, instead of having a phase one that took a year and then phase two that took a year and then a phase three that took a year, they piled them all on top of each other and poured a bunch of money in it. So the U.S. government, through the what they called Operation Warp Speed, funded the funded the studies to do that right up front, rather than asking the vaccine manufacturer to front the money. And so often, a lot of these vaccines they they slow down or they falter because they just don't have the money to do it. And it's an extremely expensive process. So they they actually tripled, doubled, tripled the numbers they had in each study arm. So. For Pfizer, for example, they had uh, thirty thousand people in the in the control arm and thirty in the study arm. That's just a huge study. You, you just don't hear see those kinds of numbers in the study, and it's 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 given them a really high high power look at the at what they've been able to see. So, um, and and so this isn't a, a fully it, 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 in order to be a fully licensed vaccine, they have to have um, 
longer term data. Um, and so, um, what they, what, what, what the, what the approach did was give them uh, a really broad stroke look at what this would do, uh, in a, in a rapid, you know, in a rapid time frame. So, um, it was really pretty ingenious and nobody's given the Trump administration credit for that. But, uh, the fact that we went from sequencing the and, – and we have a lot of tools we've just never had before, right? Being able to sequence the genome within three days after it was discovered is pretty remarkable. And we can sequence the genome of any particular virus that's isolated in real time. So, you know, we, we're tracking variants now uh, as part of what we're doing in surveillance where somebody has a positive test – Within two or three days, we get the sequence of it, so we know exactly if they're a variant or not. I mean, it's really you know the, the difference in what we have uh, in in capacity to do the kinds of things that you need to do to make sure the vaccine is safe and things like that is appropriate. You saw more evidence of just how stringent they're being with um, uh, potential uh, difficulties from the vaccine when they when they put a pause on Johnson Johnson. So here's. Here's something they fit, they think for the general population is about one in a million, and uh, for women in childbearing age, it's probably about seven in a million. But they picked it up, right? And so that's pretty, pretty, pretty remarkable. Uh, yeah. So Pfizer is looking to get approved to drop to twelve, probably within the next week, and then uh, probably but down to maybe two years old by the fall. Uh, that will be good if we can have a chance to get kids vaccinated. But um, I, I think it's important that the message be, and it is, that they've been extra aggressive about screening the safety of this and, and are watching it. Nobody ever wants to have a vaccine that comes out that then proves to be um, not not effective or have some other kind of side effect because it puts the science of trying to get vaccines out behind and uh, nobody can... You know, they have a they have an interest in making sure these work, so they've done a good job. He's Dr. Blodgett. We're out of time. Thanks again, Doc. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here.